I'm being plagued by Ghost Dad. <laughs> it's haunting you? <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa and my co-host is Wendy. And we are here tonight to talk about ghosts. 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 (laughs) Teddy has this thing where she's she has at six years old mastered what she calls the spooky voice. Oh my (laughs) it's hilarious. Anyway, this evening, as we wend our way through spooky, spooky movies in Melissa's basement, which is an appropriate venue to be talking about spooky movies. Yeah, there's furniture under drapery and everything. Yeah. 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 There could be killers here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, not killers. Not killers. Ghosts. There ghosts. Could, there could be ghosts. But there could be killer ghosts. Killer ghosts. Definitely. Yeah. So this evening, as we are camped out in the basement, we are drinking... A lovely Cabernet Sauvignon from California, and it was crafted by the elements. Wow, that makes it sound like maybe those dudes from Big Trouble in Little China like came down and made wine for us. Oh, that's... I would buy that wine. I would totally buy that wine. Are are they ghosts? Well, they're they're the elements. Okay. 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 Mm, Maybe they are. Mm, They're spirits. (laughs) <laughs> and we are drinking spirits right now. And the wine, appropriately enough, is Foghead. Mm-hmm. So, Speaking of John Carpenter, the fog. The fog. <laughs> spooky, spooky fog. Spooky, yeah. spooky Cabernet. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so, okay. So, spooky, spooky ghost story movies. Because it is October and that means it is the time to snuggle up and scare yourself silly. We we are obligated to do a Halloween episode. I feel like it's the antidote to the upcoming Christmas season, which will undoubtedly... Undoubtedly? I undoubted, will forgive you for that. Undoubted... Undoubt, undoubted. Undoubtedly. There actually, I've already seen Christmas stuff in stores, so whatever I was trying to say earlier is false <laughs> anyway, because it, it's already here, but... Every Screw year, Christmas, Halloween's where it's at. I, I put off my Christmas spirit until the last minute because they try to jam it down your yeah. throat like some asshole boyfriend asking for a blowjob or something. And, yeah, I totally just said that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was kind of choking on that myself, so. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I figure after Thanksgiving, Christmas is fair game, but before Thanksgiving, uh-uh. No, no. let me enjoy the fall. Yeah. Was, I want I want to enjoy Halloween and I want to enjoy Thanksgiving I and anticipate, then Christmas. I anticipate Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I get really annoyed that Thanksgiving is just a just a speed bump on the way to to Christmas. That's just anyway. 
So, but two back to the point. Yep. So ghosts. Ghosts. Mm-hmm. So how did we've got a, an amazing list here? I, I don't think we should really try to talk about all of them, although we'll probably like just pepper you with them, like <laughs> children throwing candy at you while they're <laughs> trick or treating. So where did we want to start on this delicious grab bag? Well, we could always, you know, hit the. No, that's a bad idea. We are drinking foghead wine. We should talk about the fog. There you go. Thank you for finding a good segue. Okay. Thank God. Oh, seriously. I was dying. I was dying, man. I was dying. All right. So we're going to start with The Fog, the 1980 John Carpenter. The Fog. The Fog. Made for TV, right? No, no. It was, I was believe. It? In... I saw I saw it on TV, like yeah. on a late. I never saw it theatrically. Duh. Yeah. I, brought... I believe it was a theatrical release. Because, I mean, it's got that video quality of film. But, uh, well, it kind of did in those days because John Carpenter was working with newly invented film stock that actually allowed him to shoot at night. Oh, That's yeah, because it is dark, but yeah, it's be- still really nice. Between shot. The Fog and Escape from New York, they they were both they both have that kind of same image quality because they were messing with some really new film stocks. Okay, that explains that. Mm-hmm. But it's I saw it the first time, like, on TV, like, one of those late Friday night movies that they put on, and it it was made for late night TV, oh, honest yeah. to God. I, whether or not it, I don't think I could enjoy it as much theatrically. That's the kind of movie that you sit on a couch with your blanket and you're just like, oh, oh, this is creepy. Yeah, there, were, there was one Christmas where Jody Whirl came over after all of our Christmas festivities and we said, we need an antidote to Christmas and we watched The Fog. Oh, that's good. And that was perfect. That's that good. was perfect. Because what you need to decompress from any family holiday is a movie about ghost pirates. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But okay. try it sometime. I recommend it. That's Adrian Barbeau. That's Adrian Barbeau. The very, uh, very 80s Adrian Barbeau. Wasn't and she, she is amazing. I she, love Adrian Barbeau. She had a body to seriously stop traffic. Actually, Adrian Barbeau... And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, both of them, oh. because Adrian Barbeau was the DJ, right? Yeah, and Jamie Lee Curtis was the the girl. Really, but... I totally forgot that. I mean, I believe you because you're never wrong once you've declared these things to be so. Oh, I just speak in authoritarian terms, and nobody questions me. So, but, but the fact that both of these women are in that movie—that's that's that... like primo 1980 horror. Scarefest, right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Primo screen queen. Yeah. 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 So if you haven't seen The Fog, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to like give away huge things. I mean... Oh, you don't have to. I mean, it's it's ghosts. It's ghosts. And there's a fog. There's a creepy fog that's rolling in, and it's doing things that fog shouldn't do, uh-huh. right? Which is always a problem. Mm-hmm. And fog is creepy because you can't see what you're supposed to see around you. I mean... Right. One of the most terrifying things that happens to me when I'm road tripping late at night is that fog rolls up Mm -hmm. and you're just vaguely uncertain. Where is the world? I can't see it. Where's the edge of the road? Where are the cars? Anything could pop up in front of me. And by the time I see it, it's going to be too late, man. Too late. Okay. Speaking of which, uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Ghost pirates. Ghost pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is it a ghost story? Or a zombie film? Mmm. 
Because it might be a zombie film. It might be a zombie film. Now, I would argue that the Davy Jones storyline and the two later films, which I absolutely despise, mm. that could be more argued to be a ghost that story. That could be. That could be. Supernatural undead things going on. Yeah, but, well, but we're trying to keep it on ghosts. But anyway, yeah, sure. so Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe Ghost Pirates. So there you go. Okay. There's your, yeah, hey, can... there's your feet. That's a double feature for you some night. Right? Okay, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean and the Fog. And the Fog. Okay. And the Fog, definitely later and definitely, that's a beer movie. That's not a wine movie. That's a <laughs> beer movie with some popcorn that you can throw at the movie. Like, yeah! <laughs> we've all seen The Haunting, we've, right? Hopefully we've all seen The Haunting. Okay, if if you haven't seen the 19... 19- 1963, I believe. Is, is it 60? Yeah, it's probably, early 60s. Right. Robert Wise. Robert Wise, black and white, with Julie Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, the Haunting, not the remake, which is Bullshit. BS. Um, if you're a fan of reading, which hopefully you are, Shirley Jackson's novel is a novel that manages to actually be scary, which is hard to do. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that. That is the book that the movie was based on, The Haunting of Hill House, and The Haunting is the great haunted house movie but it is a ghost movie as well yes because there are things unseen moving shit around and fucking with you and bending doors bending doors and giggling yeah and oh and oh yeah yeah creepy movie it's very very creepy very creepy and and you can terrify people in the middle of the night by just saying, "Why are you holding my hand?" <laughs> and we'll just be like, ah, stop that! That's me. Do it. So I I believe partnered with that would also be uninvited. Yeah, which we have gone into on this podcast before. We have. So we're just going to briefly remind yep. you the uninvited that is um oh. The actors. Ray Milland. Thank you. Ray Milland. Ruth Hussey. Yep. Who was, of course, in the Philadelphia story. And a very young um, Gail. Gail Russell. Gail Russell. And she's beautiful. And that's a great, great ghost story, but very witty and charming and British. So you should all go see that as well. Yay! So the uninvited. So we're we're pelting you with Halloween candy now. Um, I would say The Haunting and The Uninvited would make a delightful double feature yes i would end with the uninvited it's much more lighter in tone if you're wanting to end on an up note if you're wanting to scare the pants off yourself flip it and end with the haunting beetlejuice 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 that's a ghost that's just asshole yeah but it's so much fun i love the ghost world they create yeah I, I love the universe of beetlejuice i love how unapologetically 80s it is I loved those few years when Tim Burton was just exploded onto the scene and became who was known as Tim Burton. And he wasn't so trapped in his Tim Burtonness. Yeah, yeah. It it it's and delightful. things could still be brightly colored and not all in that kind of vaguely CGI seeped out. Yeah, sort of look that seems to be in so much of what he does now. I like the way I like how they show how the ghosts are tied to their location. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I love the absolutely bonkers creature design. 
I love um I love, I love the actors. I love Dick Cavett waving his butt in the air. Yeah. I love I love the soundtrack, Harry Belafonte. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's it's so much fun. And and Danny Elfman just going bonkers Danny Elfman on everything. And the idea that these ghosts are better parents mm-hmm. than her parents and that she ends up with a perfect family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's just a really sweet movie. And then, of course, there's Michael Keaton, who's really the part of the movie I most try to gloss over. Interesting. It's that uh, the the humor is too loud for me. The humor okay. is too, too, look at me, I'm a crazy guy. The Michael Keaton part humor. The other humor, the much more dry right. humor, I love that. The let's treat Michael Keaton like Robin Williams humor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at me. Everything I say, something crazy happens. Ha ha. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, not so much. Yeah. Love you. Love you, Michael. You did other great things. I'm really interested in his career now that he's become an old and crusty actor. Well, one of because the, he's doing the old and crusty thing real fucking well right now. Well, that can lead us over to yeah. White Noise. White Noise. Have you seen this? I have not. Okay. But I'm very excited about it. White Noise was recommended to me. I kind of had skipped it because it just looked like a nothing film. Like, not that it was a total turd, but that, you know, just nothing surprising. But then a friend recommended it to me. She's like, no, I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. And so I rent, I went and rented it. And then I actually ended up buying it, like, cheap used. Because I liked it enough. I'm like, I actually, I want to own this. It is paranormal. Mm-hmm. Well, of course it is. It's a ghost story. But it's doing that uh, thing where you turn to white noise and you listen for the messages. Oh, yeah. What? UEV? EUV? Whatever the acronym is. Electron. EDM. ETA. Edamame. Edamame. Something. And he is not a believer at all. But then... He gets, he starts getting these messages and these warnings through the white noise that are leading him to first save someone and then, but apparently she's being targeted somehow. Mm -hmm. And it is very effective, creepy dread, just creepy dread. And there is something about, much like the fog, there is something creepy about just white noise and how you're trying so desperately to make sense out of the chaos mm-hmm. that just listening to it is very creepy. Like there are voices there trying to talk to you. You just can't really hear them quite yet. Mm-hmm. Like that moment in, ah, the sixth sense. Sixth sense. Yeah. Look at this. Yep. 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 We're playing. We're playing ghost story bingo. <laughs> or or um, a ghost story flow chart. Yes. <laughs> Some sort of stream of consciousness where you tie things together by the barest of threads. There's another ghost story that everybody has seen. Yeah. Six Sense. Yeah. But I love that moment when he goes back to listen mm-hmm. to his old tapes and he hears it. It's like, oh. <laughs> First off, creepy, but also just, oh, my God. The answer was there all along. Yeah. And given what you know when you finally finish the movie... It makes you kind of wonder: Would he have been able to hear that if he was still alive? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. That is such a well done movie. Yeah, and it's a shame that Shyamalan couldn't carry that streak. Well, 
I get the feeling that he suffers from something that I guess happens to writers that, you know, that first novel syndrome, the first novel is great because you've been working on it your whole life. Mm -hmm. Now write your second novel. But the thing is, he made a movie before Sixth Sense and it was called Wide Awake. Oh. Do you remember watching Wide Awake? Yeah, because we watched it for the Shyamalama Ding Dong. That's a, that's a terrible fucking movie. Oh my God, it's bad. Ghostbusters. Everybody's seen. Duh. Yeah. Ghost is in the title. <laughs> I think we can all recognize uh, there are ghosts in that film. Did you know that Bernie Wrightson designed some of the ghosts for Ghostbusters? Did he? Yes, he did. Particularly the librarian ghost at the start. Oh. And he provided the he provided the joke. He suggested that she go shh at them. <laughs> So the first joke of the movie was provided by Bernie Wrightson, who designed oh. the librarian ghost. Got a class, what, class three level apparition, whatever he says. <laughs> oh, I adore Dan Aykroyd in that movie. He Me too. such a lovable big kid. That was at the height of my passions for Well, he's adorable. <laughs> you just want to squeeze his cheeks, yeah. all of them. And, oh, <laughs> Guys, you got to try the pole. We should sleep here tonight. <laughs> I would say the Frighteners. Frighteners, Frighteners I, I really love. I, I feel like Frighteners is kind of un, unappreciated in the Peter Jackson oeuvre. Well, it, because because you get the horror fans who are fans of Peter early Peter Jackson, then you get the Hobbit nerds. Well, the Lord of the Rings nerds. There aren't any Hobbit nerds because <laughs> no. we all agree that the Hobbit movies aren't oh, that great. Seriously, but, but in the middle yeah. was the Frighteners. There are so many really entertaining things going on there. I like the universe that it posits. I like the weird ass Jeffrey Combs character <laughs> i uh, it, it there are parts that are really genuinely creepy and there's a proto nazgul yeah i always love ghost human relationships yeah like that these ghosts have created friendships or family relationships with living people that can see and hear them i just i don't know why i think that's delightful i think it'd be fun <laughs> to have a ghost friend right mm-hmm Think what they could do for you. Think of the things they could find out. Or, yeah, I'd probably play a couple pranks. <laughs> yeah. And I would yeah. be I would be shitty at keeping that secret. I would be very shitty at keeping that. I'd be like, guys, I have a friend who's a ghost. <laughs> you can't see him. But look, he's going to make that glass levitate. Come on, do it. Do it. Don't make me look crazy. Don't make me look crazy. Oh, man, you're such a jerk. Okay, so if we're talking about friends who are ghosts, that leads to Topper. You'll need to talk about Topper because, strangely enough, I have not seen Topper. Uh, Topper was super delightful. Um, i got to remind myself. So it's Cary Grant and his wife, and they've died, and so they decide to shake up the stuffy lifestyle of a friend of theirs. Played by Roland Young. <laughs> Is Mr. Topper. Yay! So it's one of those sort of odd couple things. Mm -hmm. So picture Nick and Nora Charles invading the life of, like, oh, nicer than Ebenezer Scrooge. But, you know, like this, this, this stuffy, this stuffy hermity likes his life, likes that he's alone, old man. And they're like, no, you, you need to have more fun in life. And we're going to make you have fun so that we can get into heaven. <laughs> Come on, go have fun. Go have fun. 
And he's just like, why are you torturing me? And they do all sorts of crazy hijinks with levitating stuff. And it's very, very delightful and ridiculous. It's, it's pure, pure fluffy good stuff. You, mm-hmm. uh, it's very cute. And it's got Cary Grant. What's not to like? Trying to get into heaven would lead to ghost. Yeah. We're going to totally do this stream of consciousness. This yeah, I think awesome. so. So ghost. So ghost, we have Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. At the very 80s-ness of their 80s-ness. Yes. Yes. And uh, that opening scene is pretty hot. It is, with it, all the clay and the, and the sloppiness. And, and his the, muscles. And well, yeah, Patrick Swayze Patrick Swayze is pretty was, amazing. Thing. Yeah, he was very pretty. And he had such a gentle on-screen presence, which is funny yeah. considering, like, Roadhouse and all that stuff. Yeah. But Roadhouse really works because he had that sort of zen stillness. Yeah. And so in Ghost, he's just, he's just so nice. Oh, you're just so nice. <laughs> Oh, it's been so long since I've seen Ghost. I do remember Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg the, is the best part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. This this completely bizarre comic relief character. and Girl, you in danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is great. She is great. You can't just blurt it out like that. What are you thinking? Okay, so we're stream of consciousing our way through this. Much like, hey, 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 metaphor, metaphor oh, alert. Oh, 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 oh. Much like a child. Wends their way through a neighborhood on Halloween night, trick-or-treating at the best houses. Because <laughs> let's face it, you skip the houses you know are just going to give you pennies in a bag. Or that crappy taffy in the, the oh. orange and black taffy. That stuff was just shit. Yeah. Well, I usually have one go, oh, I remember this stuff. And I remember, oh, yeah. I That's not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I always ended up with bit of honey and I hated that candy. See, I like bit of honey. You and I would have been friends. You could have had my bit of honey. I would take your bit of honey. <laughs> well, that does not sound right. <laughs> Ghosts helping people could lead here. To Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Yeah. So the Ghost and Mrs. Muir, which is Rex Harrison and Deborah Carr? No, it's Jean Tierney. Pardon me. Oh, that's right. It's Jean Tierney. Because the one time I saw it was during a Jean Tierney film festival. And... Rex Harrison, of course, Professor Henry Higgins, also Dr. Doolittle. Did he have to not sing during this movie, too? There is no not singing in this movie, which is kind of sad, because he was the best non-singer who ever didn't sing. (laughs) Um, But he really was, he sort of embodied that older, sexy man aesthetic for that generation. True. Like, because in the 80s, that was sort of um, Sean Connery, Mm -hmm. right? That... You, you're like, you are old enough to be my dad, maybe even my creepy uncle, but I still would probably, yeah, I'd probably tap that. Yeah, because you're kind of hot. You're kind of hot. I like that. You're hot. <laughs> um, so he was very, and he's so, he's just so Rex Harrison. So he's this ghost who's inhabiting a house, and Mrs. Muir is a widow I want to think she's got a child. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. But I remember the central story is that she needs money. She has no way to support herself because this is being done in a time period where women did not have a lot of options for that anyway. And this ghost makes it that in the house she's living in makes itself known to her. And he comes up with his brilliant plan to help her, which is that she will write a novel of his adventures (laughs) and it will be sold as fiction 
but it'll be so captivating with all the details and totally unexpected for a woman to write. They may even put a male pen name on it. I forget. And this is how he's going to help her. So they spend lots of time together. And of course, they fall in love. And then, then the story is about what do, you, what do you do when you're in love with a ghost? There's not a lot of options yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so it's bittersweet, but very heavy on the sweet. And, oh, and it's, oh, and it's just so nice. Falling in Love with the Ghost had me thinking of Somewhere in Time, but that's a time travel movie, yeah. not a ghost movie. Yeah. So let's go with Helpful Ghost. Helpful Ghost is, we go to Mama. Oh, because which leads us nicely they, into the they, more creepy part of our, our list. Yes, yes, Mama, which we have talked about at length. Okay, wait. On the way to Mama, I'm yeah. going to take a pit stop and do a brief shout out to Helpful Ghost, Christmas Carol. That's true. You can watch That's a true. Christmas Carol at Halloween, people. What's your favorite Christmas Carol adaptation? Okay. There, there are so many tones, right? There's comedic adaptations. Mm-hmm. There's musical adaptations. But the one that I watch at Christmas most often is the Alistair Sim. Alistair Sim all the way. Yes. All right. He is so good. He's the only, he's the only Scrooge that I truly believe is a complete dick. <laughs> and when he turns it around, he's completely beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who manages that complete transition for me. And then a separate shout out to Scrooge. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like number two. Because Carol Kane yes, goes to give Christmas presents, hits him in the face with a toaster. Bitch and I love it so much. Bitch hit me with a toaster. <laughs> yeah, Scrooge, but, Scrooge yeah. is right next to there. Scrooge, good. And then after that, would that's like be, an annotation. That's and like then an maybe annotation. Muppet Christmas Carol, and then you, yeah. you go on down yeah. from there. But yeah, so a Christmas Carol. There you go. There's mm-hmm. your, and that was our pit stop on the way to... Mama. mama which not enough people saw i yeah. really don't think they saw so i feel like we should keep plugging it until enough people see if you're a mama. fan of game of thrones and the very attractive jamie lannister he is the central male character i won't say the leading man because because they're the, the the leading the leading people in the movie are, are all women are women which is also really delightful yes that is a very female focused movie without it being falling which is actually pretty common for horror movies yeah. they usually focus on women as a protagonist but in this case it is completely the tropes are completely different and the tone is completely different than the mm-hmm. usual the yeah. usual thing there yeah it's it's a very interesting movie and uh, like i said we did talk about it at length already in our screaming keeps the face supple episode. yes uh, which would have been our episode with Megan Murphy. Yes. Yes. So but you can look that up on our website. Mama, we'll, put it, we'll put it in the show Mama, notes. Mama, Mama. And it Mama, is Mama. creepy as fuck with a really nice ending. Like, surprising and satisfying at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have we have our Mama ghost. And, and I think this goes to Children in Peril, which would be poltergeist oh uh, there's a lot here actually with yeah that. yeah okay heather o'rourke was that the girl's name mm-hmm. yeah, who died tragically young from some horrible random sickness or something but she didn't yeah. do it until the middle of the second one or the third one yeah, third something one like that yeah third one because she was in the second one did yeah. you see poltergeist too um i've seen it once and i remember the tequila worm oh yeah that's pretty bad yeah. what i remember about poltergeist too is the creepy preacher man. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you're right. 
creepy preacher men. Fuck them. Like like Night of the Hunter. Fuck those oh, fuckers. Yeah. Fuck those fucking fuckers. Yeah. Creepy preacher men. You got to watch out when they start quoting Bible verses and they wear a hat. Yeah. When they're wearing a hat and they're that quoting. Yeah, you got to walk away. No. But the original Poltergeist, you know, naturally, I think everybody has probably seen it. Yeah. You should it's have a, seen it. It's a classic, but it, I, I love how unapologetically terrifying it is. Oh, yeah. And, and everybody thinks of it as a Spielberg movie, even though he was just executive producer or producer. Well, I can't there's, which. there's a lot but of he, like. It's a Toby mm, Hooper directed film. There's a lot of chatter, back chatter on how yeah. much how much did Toby Hooper direct? At what point maybe did Spielberg take over or mm-hmm. shoot stuff for him? Or And of course, there's that one cloud shot that's like, wow, hi, I'm Spielberg. Look at what I do with clouds. Hey, it's a cloud tank. Yeah. Woo-hoo. How do you know you're in the 80s? You've got a cloud tank over your house. How do you know you're in an 80s Spielberg movie? It's a cloud tank that is both menacing and beautiful. Yes. Okay. Mm. Mm. Shout out for scary movies by Spielberg. Side topic. Close Encounters is fucking scary. It is. It's Up until the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, yay. And everybody remembers that. And it's like, yeah, go back and watch that. That's Mm -hmm. a terrifying movie. So So, so Poltergeist. Poltergeist. In Poltergeist, you have a haunted house. It's it's tied to that location because it's uh, Indian burial ground, right? Which is how my mom first got me into horror movies because I was really scared of them. Because I had a very active imagination. Haunted house movies are great for that because you don't live in that house. <laughs> now, All that creepy shit is tied there. There. Now, I still was like, yeah, but what could be in my house? Well, whatever it is, at least it's not that. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and the creepy shit that's in that house. Yeah. The tree. The tree absolutely destroys The tree me. and the creepy fucking clown. Oh, ugh, ugh. But and mostly I, the tree. And I even remember... As young as I was when it came out, because I was early 80s, right? Yeah, 1983. I want to say three-ish. So I would have been 13. I laughed so hard when he throws a picture of the jacket with Chewbacca on the back over the clown. Mm -hmm. I would rather look at this arguably monsterish figure, furry, furry monster, than this fucking clown. (laughs) God damn it. This is reassuring. Yeah. Oh, that clown is terrifying. How could you be scared of Chewbacca? Oh, nobody would be scared of Chewbacca. Everybody loves Chewbacca. Well, but don't make him angry. And Always let the Wookiee win. And there's such... The thing about Poltergeist is everybody remembers sort of the iconic moments, but Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson are so great they are in fantastic. that movie. And you told they have such chemistry together, and they have such chemistry as lovers as partners but as parents you really feel how much they love their family mm-hmm. and then you get those supporting characters like um oh and i recognize her face too the the scientist the female scientist who yeah. comes in and then her beautifully nerdy sidekicks and the one is like i once filmed something rolling across the floor and we did all these tests and it was just amazing and it rolled it rolled three feet in eight hours. And he's like, oh, huh. And then he opens the door and it's just crazy in there. And he's just, whoa. And they cut to just the shaking saucer. Like, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And it starts with such delight and wonder. Like, look at what this can do. Look, you put the chair here and it slides over there. Mm -hmm. This is sort of fun. Do you want to try it? You're just like, 
what are you thinking? This is the part where you leave the house. Whoa. Maybe the ghost will be friends with us. Oh. Maybe it just wants to play. And then, oh, and back to the creepy white noise. Uh-huh. Listening to Carol Ann in the white noise. Yeah, which we don't, the static. We don't have white noise anymore. No, we TV. don't. No, we don't. And I, I love how all the big scares in the movie are all things that you're terrified of when you're a kid. Yeah, the clown. The tree. The, the clown, the tree, the closet. And then the, the little tiny woman, this house is clean. <laughs> no, it is. No, it isn't. It's not, but hey. I've got a segue. Okay. So speaking of things that terrify you as a child, there is this crazy ass movie from Japan called Haosu. Haosu? Haosu. It's house. But, you know. Yeah, it's, but you, in you Japan, you put a U on the end yeah, of it. Yeah, Haosu. And weirdly enough, it is directed by the guy who made the Mandem commercial with Charles Bronson. Ah! Yeah, I know, right? All okay, okay, we will. Okay, loves a lover. <laughs> yeah, the okay for for listeners who don't know what we're talking about, we will link it in the show notes. It's this crazy Japanese commercial with Charles Bronson selling cologne. Anyway, that director decided to make a horror movie. Um, I believe 1980 was when it came out, and it is a team of Japanese schoolgirls, like six of them, go on vacation. They wind up at the mansion of this aunt of one of them. I can't remember what the relationship is that gets them into the creepy house, but it turns out the house is haunted and crazy shit happens. And in including like possessed cats and, and crazy all, Japanese and shit, crazy Japanese shit. Because if you want ja- if you want crazy shit, crazy Japanese shit is kind of the bar. But it's not just crazy Japanese shit. The director very specifically wanted scares that came from the mind of a child. So I believe he worked with his daughter, his very young daughter. Like what terrifies you? And you know, like she was scared of the piano so there is a scene with a man-eating piano or a japanese schoolgirl eating piano there's a haunted well there's a and it is one of the most surreal fucking movies i've ever seen in my life and it's really bizarrely directed the imagery is incredible and it's part of the criterion collection so they recently did a really nice restoration of it ah. and it is a hell of a thing ah. it is a hell of a thing the the trilon uh the the trilon micro cinema which is here in minneapolis which is where we occasionally do uh, real education live episodes every halloween they show house that is the movie that they show for halloween nice yeah okay so it comes highly recommended from many angles all right, so if we've got our evil house. So we've got an evil house. I say that session nine flows out of that because it is a haunted location. That is a good choice. Okay. Yeah, we got a lot of kid stuff in yeah, here. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like session nine is a yeah, movie that like... most people have not seen. And so we definitely want to talk about yes. session nine. Session nine is it's that creepy, it's that creepy haunted location where the ghosts of what happened there mm-hmm. are still very much very powerful and very yeah. affecting. The, the the plot involves an asbestos removal crew who are called in to renovate, pull the asbestos out of this old abandoned asylum. 
Insane so, Asylum. Insane Asylum, so they can turn it into condos. Which, interestingly enough, the location they're at is a very real location. In fact, it is the Danvers State Asylum, which is where, uh, which is the asylum that H.P. Lovecraft based Arkham upon. Yeah, and if you yeah. look at if you look at this location, that yeah. building is gorgeous yeah. and creepy, yeah. and it does have a history of people saying, yeah, I saw something here. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it is a creepy, creepy place. Or at least it was, because they did change it into condos shortly after. I don't want to live there! I would fucking live there. But, because <laughs> I've seen, it's beautiful. It, it's it's a beautiful, old brick institution building. But it's, um, but at the point they filmed Session 9, they said, let's base a movie around this amazing location. And all they pretty much had to do is point a camera at it. And the star of the movie is the location. It's so creepy, so powerful. And, and it's that, you know, a small crew outnumbered by their surrounding. They they are Mm -hmm. so isolated in this building. And as they're working under this deadline, so they're splitting up and the session nine that is being referred to, because there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on with the different characters doing different things and being sort of led into the madhouse of this location as they they get further sucked away from what their job is and start, you know, following these trails that are being opened for them magically, creepily. Um, The lead character, not the lead character, no, the lead character is the one who's having trouble at home. Yeah. It's a secondary character finds these cassettes of recordings of a young woman. I thought it was a young boy, but it's been a while since I've seen it. But the the session... Simon. Okay, yeah. I think his name was Simon. Um, the session recordings of a boy in his psychoanalysis. And he starts listening to them. Now, remember, they're supposed to be pulling asbestos out. Yeah. But it said all of them are wandering off and getting distracted by what they're finding in this building. So coincidentally so conveniently and things in these in these recorded sessions that you're getting at different points throughout the movie little snippets as he's listening are getting very weird on these recordings and it's i forget is session nine missing or why why is session nine so powerful i'm blanking on that because i remember yeah i can't quite remember because oddly session nine is sort of the subplot yeah of what's going on with the more main central character but the parallels between what is happening what happened to the simon person and what is happening to the crew around and it's yeah it's an unsettling movie yeah it is it is a movie that uses atmosphere to the utmost degree if they're filming it in the place where lovecraft was inspired they're doing a good job (laughs) of crafting a very lovecraftian tale it is very very lovecraftian it's very Very little is shown very very little actually happens and yeah but it's it's all about the creep factor yeah and the creeping dread and there's a lot of creeping dread to be had and little tiny tiny things that as something gets revealed you think back on the cookies Oh my God, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that makes no sense to you until you watch it. And you're like, Twill. the cookies. <laughs> it's so true. And and that's, yeah, that's definitely one that flies underneath yeah. the radar. And it has David Caruso in it. 
It does. <laughs> it does. Oh, there's a man who wanted a different career. Woman in Black. You know what? I'm putting this back. Which is both the creepy atmosphere, mm-hmm. the, the, the haunted location, haunted by what happened there, children in peril also. So the now this is the recent one that was made by Hammer Studios, right? Mm-hmm. With Daniel Radcliffe. Ah, and he yes. does an excellent job. I am becoming such a fan. I think he is really, and he's very smart about how he's managing his career. I think he's really going to put together a solid filmography and and become mm-hmm. one of those really just Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. totally totally credible actor. Totally. I, just, I just saw Horns, and he was very. Impressive yeah. yeah. Um, so the premise is the the haunting, and it's no surprising. The you know this the the woman in black is a ghost, and she's haunting this entire town. And what happens is she shows herself to people. I forget if it's to people or to children, but what happened when she shows herself? Those children die very shortly thereafter. Oh wow! So if you see her you know your children are going to die. Mm-hmm. And she is specifically going after children for a reason that that is what unfolds as you're watching the movie is what is her deal? So it's that classic trope of the movie is about figuring out what does the ghost want? Mm-hmm. What is driving this ghost? Can we appease the ghost? So there's this sort of detective mystery quality of what's really going on, what happened in the past, something was covered up, something shameful, oh my goodness... And what this movie does very well, it's a for not being actually in black and white, my memory of it is very black and white because <laughs> it is it is very monochromatic. It is like on a bleak English moor. It's foggy and drizzly and gray all the time. And, you know, and it's in like late Victorian. So everybody's in very stuffy black, black, upright, rigid clothes and which suit Daniel Radcliffe very well, I must say. <laughs> And Daniel Radcliffe is this man who has lost his wife and he has a young son and he's like a lawyer or something. And he's been called to this estate to go through the paperwork out at this haunted house. Mm -hmm. And he's so he's out there every day by himself going through these papers and weird, weird things are happening. And he's starting to put things together and he's finding papers. And what's really fascinating about the movie is the entire middle third is silent. There is no dialogue because it's just him alone at the house. And it wow. really lends this sort of, you, you just find yourself sort of holding your breath, waiting for something to happen because you know it will. And the creature design is excellent. And she's a very scary ghost. Yeah. Chris and I went to see it together. And at the end, we were there was a point in the middle where we were just clutching each other. Like, why do we go see these movies again? <laughs> I don't know. And then we walked out. We're like, that was really creepy and scary. I liked it. I liked it. Because, you know, once you've seen a lot of horror movies, when a movie can genuinely kind of make you... That's really satisfying. So I I really liked it. And so we're putting it on the Melissa needs to see list. Yes, yes. It's definitely going on that list. Now what your your description reminds me of is The Ring. Yeah, Because she manifests and then people die. She manifests and... We got to find out what she needs. What's driving her? Okay, so now we've given you what you need. You weren't supposed to help her. <laughs> that movie still scares me in the middle of the night. 
<laughs> still scares me in the middle of the night. Yeah. Have we all seen well, the others? I've seen the others. Have we all seen the others with Nicole Kidman. Do we, we need should to, have all seen the others. Do we need to? Maybe we need to be careful of spoilers. Oh well, yeah, I think we should. Okay, because I I was careful with Woman in Black. Like you should you should watch the yeah. movie. Okay, so the others, it's a haunted location. You know that. You can't help but know that. Yeah. It's this English country house, constantly surrounded by fog. Yeah, <laughs> god damn the fog. Fog. God damn it! And Nicole Kidman looking paler and more wan and waifish than any British woman has ever Britished. <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you take? I did well, a lot. Well, well, she's Australian, but you know, yeah. But, but she's, she's in the movie, she's British. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just supremely creepy, and it's it's a, a family dealing with a haunting. Yeah, and and, and her two children, her two children who are allergic to sunlight. Yeah. So they have to keep stay indoors, and the all the curtains have to be shut all the time, and the door shut so you don't inadvertently open a window, and it shines through a doorway. Mm-hmm. So it's very isolated and sequestered and dark and yeah and claustrophobic, and and the servants are up to something. <laughs> they are. They are. The servants are up to something, and she finds these creepy photos of people with their eyes closed because they're dead or something yeah that was creepy and she's waiting for her husband to come back isn't that yeah if, if i remember right it's been a long time since i've seen that movie okay it's really great though it's i like to go see movies by myself every once in a while mm-hmm. and this was before chris and i were married but we were dating and living together and i had a free evening or something and i wanted to go see a movie by myself chris i think was busy doing something else I'm like, oh, I'll go see a movie because I don't, it's very rare that you, I get an opportunity to go by myself. And I'm like, oh, I want to see that new Nicole Kidman movie. I want to go see that. <laughs> and I went to see it at the Edina movie theater, which was still first run. And so mm. it was, it was pretty packed. And I came and I sat down and I'm watching this movie. I'm like, this is fun. I like watching movies by myself. Oh, this is good. Oh, this is really creepy. Oh, this is really creepy. Why am I watching this movie by myself? <laughs> and it was like, what I, was I thinking? It was like a third of the way. And I'm like, this was not good planning on my part. <laughs> and what I really remember is during one of the jump scares, like, you know, one of the, you open the closet and the cat runs out. One of those types of mm-hmm. things. But they were doing so good at really building the suspense that when it happened, and we all jumped, somebody in the theater went, Whoa! <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating, and it was even louder and more goofy. And everybody in the place just cracked up. So, yeah, the others. All right, Stir of Echoes. Who's in it? Uh, it's Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Are we talking about the same movie? Or am I thinking of What Lies Beneath? I think you're, that's What Lies Beneath. Oh. Because Stir of Echoes is Kevin Bacon. Well, hell yeah. There's uh, a woman in that. Uh, hold on one second. What? If you, but I think, yeah, it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford in What Lies Beneath. Okay. And Which I, I also haven't seen. Okay, okay so here. Throwing, pelting Candy, What Lies Beneath, Stir of Echoes. I can't talk about What Lies Beneath because I haven't seen it either. Okay. We should but, just write down what lies beneath. Seriously, and then we, we should both see it. <laughs> we should. I only saw Stir of Echoes. Give me the once. the marker, and you um, can you can do Stir of Echoes. Stir of Echoes, in terms of plot, is pretty predictable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's following the tropes. There's nothing too surprising about it. 
Kevin Bacon is a man. He gets hypnotized by a psychiatrist. I forget why. And something about the hypnosis causes him to start seeing visions. And these visions are telling a story of something that happened. And so he's, it's that whole thing of tracking down what happened to something to somebody that something horrible happened okay. to. And then and he tracks it down and and you know, and then his life is in danger and everything gets resolved. And unlike other movies where there maybe there's a twist or a surprising, it's pretty standard. He resolves the situation and everybody lives happily ever after. But it it keeps popping up on lists because number one, Kevin Bacon. And, oh yeah. And he really is excellent. And this was when he was starting to come back after having to sort of take time off from being 80s Kevin Bacon. And this was sort of his fresh outing as, look, I'm an adult Kevin Bacon. I can okay. do things. But it's really creepy. It's really nicely shot. It's really, yeah. So Stir of Echoes, give it a thumbs up. You can add that to your list. I feel like with Stir of Echoes, you could pair that in a nice way, actually, with The Changeling. Which oh. Melissa also hasn't seen. How is it that we're on no, scary movies and you haven't seen well, anything? Well, we're I, on... I haven't seen everything. Yeah, but this is weird. I horror I do other things in my life aside from watch movies, too, you know? Yeah. So Occasionally. The, the Changeling, which is George C. Scott. <laughs> and, I love George C. Scott. And it is a total, total ghost story what really happened, figure it out, who done it, somebody got killed, what's really going on, movie. And it is. It's not as creepy as Stir of Echoes. Stir of Echoes really does rely more on those visual stuff, but it's more of a pure ghost story in that, like, there's this room, there's this rocking chair that rocks on its own, mm -hmm. there's a wheelchair that comes after you, but nobody's in it, that sort of thing. <laughs> so it's much more your classic ghost story, but um, but it's got George C. Scott being all George C. Scotty. I remember watching it for the first time when I was in college with a friend who's like, you've never seen it, come over on Halloween and we'll watch it. <laughs> and I did. And it's really just, yeah, it's... I don't want to. I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. It's worth, no, because the best, the best ghost stories have something surprising in them, and so I don't want to tell you. But yeah, Changeling and Stir of Echoes would go would pair nicely. They'd be a nice uh, cheese and wine pairing. All right, other things. I, I'm going to pelt you with candy. Have you seen Ghost Story? Oh, it's been so. I, I don't remember anything about. Ghost I Story. barely remember it, other than I remember I loved it. it it's based on Peter Straub's story. Yes. Right? Yes. What I loved about it is that there are three or four friends and that these friends are confronting something that happened in their youth mm -hmm. that was a tragic mistake, but that it's older gentlemen. This is not your horror movie, your scary movie that is focusing on young, young people. Because mm -hmm. this came out, it's 81, <laughs> it's got Fred Astaire and John Houseman. Melvin Douglas and John Douglas, Houseman. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Doug Houseman, like Paper Chase John Houseman? Yes. Sweet. And Patricia Neal. Yeah, it's it's an amazing cast, these four men, and they have a this fifty year old mistake that they made that mm -hmm. is coming back back to haunt them literally. And of course I watched it because Fred Astaire. And um it's just a nice yeah, I mean, it's it's a good story about regret and about age mm -hmm. and, and the structure of your life, as well as just being a nice little sort of unconventional ghost story. 
I don't think very many people have heard of it. Randomly pelting you with candy, The Innocents, Deborah Kerr, it's based on uh, The Turn of the Screw. I have seen that. Yeah. And it it's a subtle ghost story. Yeah. Um, calling it a ghost story might be a little bit of a misnomer, but yeah. it's, it's a very definitely haunted and charged environment, mm-hmm. and you don't know the truth. It is one of those stories where you never really know what really happened. I have seen that. That is a fantastic movie. It's, I just, and for I, whatever reason, I, I had it associated I with pair, a different title. I would pair The Innocents with The Others. I yeah. feel like both of those yeah, would yeah, go yeah. very well together. Yeah, yeah. Um, now that I remember what it is, yes, I totally agree. Uh, 1408, which was John Cusack in a very sort of madness lies within movie. Um, kind of like, very kind of uh, Lovecraftian in this, in this sort of, you don't know what's in there and simply knowing will destroy you with the madness and the what. Wasn't that a Stephen King one? 1408? Might, I can't remember. It might be. It's got, is it Samuel Jackson or Lawrence Fishburne? Because you know they're the same person. <laughs> that's, that's so sad. <laughs> Sam, that's... It's Sam the Man. It's Sam, Sam the Man. Sam the Man. It was right. 2007. And it was not surprising in any way, but if you're in the mood for the movie that you think it is, it, uh-huh. is, it, it is exactly that movie. Okay. And it is a satisfying, okay. it is a satisfying entry in, into exactly what you think it is. I'm good with that. Skeleton Key. That was totally me renting a movie because I I wanted to watch it, but I thought it was going to be shit, so I wasn't going to make anybody else watch it. Mm-hmm. And then it was really surprising. Um, it had uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter from Almost Famous. Oh, uh, Hudson? Yes, Kate Hudson. Kate's H- Kate, Kate Hudson. Hudson. She is caretaking this older brother and sister at this creepy Louisiana house that they own and as she's caretaking them she's finding different things out there's this other stuff and she and then she starts hearing this story about this voodoo priest that they met when they were younger and so voodoo is a part of it and the skeleton key is this room that is locked and she wants to get in and there is an ending there that was nicely surprising it wasn't like life altering like the sixth sense but that was a movie that held together better than it had any right to it it looked like complete schlock Mm. and i i was just like oh that was wow okay so yeah i kind of want you to watch this okay i think you would okay i think you would like it awesome all right we got that we got that the Shining, Trick or Treat, we've talked about those before. The Shining yep. is obviously a ghost Although story. Although I, I feel like we need to hit Trick or Treat again, because not enough people have seen Trick or Treat, because okay. it was never theatrical, okay. never theatrically released. Okay, let's give Trick or Treat a little bit of love. Yep. Trick or Treat. It's an anthology movie, and it's a very well done anthology movie. It is a love letter to Halloween. Yes, and it is beautifully filmed. It's made by one of the Brian Singer cohorts. I can so, never remember the And what's nice, Mike uh, Doherty. Doherty. What is nice about it is that every major sort of trope of uh, Halloween or horror or monster movies gets lovingly touched on in some way. Yeah. There's there's your and, sort of monster and, segment. Mm-hmm. There's your psycho killer segment. There's your ghost segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they never play out quite how you expect them to. Yeah. It's really well written. It's, it's very meta. Yep. It's got a meta quality in that it knows exactly the tropes that it is relying on and winks at them 
yeah. as it as it takes a little bit of a left turn away from them. Yeah. It's got uh is it Claire Danes? Was it Claire Danes? Well no. Anna Paquin was it's Anna Danes. Paquin. It's Anna Paquin and Tongo Pinnacket. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's a great cast in really fun writing. Yeah. So And it, it was um because it portrays children in peril, it was kind of blocked from a theatrical release and so are you shitting really, me? I'm here yeah. to tell you that there are other movies that have been theatrically released that have upset me much more than that one did. I know, I know. But the, the there was a producer at the company that had a vendetta for that movie, so it okay. got blocked. Yeah. Okay. So, unfortunately, it never got the release it deserved, but you can now see it on home video, and it is great. Okay, other... But, but, yeah. Before we move on from the anthology movie, I got one for you, which okay. I know you haven't seen, which is Kwaidan. Okay. Kwaidan, Japanese film, which uh, Kwaidan means ghost story. And it is, uh, if I remember right, four ghost stories strung together in an anthology. They're like four short films almost, but it's directed by Masaki Kobayashi, who was one of my favorite Japanese directors. Uh, he's the guy who did the Human Condition series, which is a series of six films uh, about Japan during wartime from the Japanese perspective. Really interesting stuff, like following a pacifist who's been recruited into this war that he clearly sees that is really, really wrong. Um, he also directed Harakiri, which is this amazing movie and we should talk about it some other time and samurai rebellion with toshiro mifune so mifune mifune but ghost story quite on it's filmed almost like a kabuki play and the the lighting's very theatrical so when plot points happen, the lighting very visibly changes in the set in a completely unnatural yet theatrical way and the the visuals are amazing. Um, the third story um, involves a monk who is trying to hide from a ghost. Wait, the third story? So it's another anthology? Did you say that? Yeah, it's another anthology. So, so the third story, there's this monk who's trying to hide from a ghost, and it turns out to hide from a ghost, you have to basically print text from like a prayer scroll all over you. And so he's he's literally painted his entire body in all of these glyphs and all this kanji, and, and it's just this really striking image. And, yeah. But he's he's like forgotten one part of the body, and you know it, it, the story oh. kind of goes from there. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's a fascinating, very Japanese movie. Once again, the Criterion Pe Collection picked it up a couple years ago and did a beautiful beautiful restoration of it. It is gorgeous to look at. Pelting with Candy, other ghost story movies, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street. Yay! Freddy Krueger is a terrifying ghost. Amityville Horror, that's some fucked up ghost shit going on there. Yeah, very, Amityville Horror is delightfully trashy. Oh, it really is. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's yeah, that's a movie that doesn't hold up well for being scary, but it sure holds up well for just being that movie. Yeah, it's it's trashy good seventies fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God bless them. God bless. And what I and when you know how hard they were trying to like this really happened. Yeah, yeah not so much. Yeah. Uh, love. I'll throw Lovely Bones in there, although yeah, I wasn't. Too. I wasn't really a fan of the movie, and I I read the book as well, and I didn't actually care for the book. I don't think that, yeah. And lovely bones, I will give credit. It's a very different ghost story. It's a very different 
story. It's a very difficult story to tell. It's yeah. very strange. And um, I was really hoping that Peter Jackson would return to form for, like he did for uh, Lovely Creatures. Or Heavenly Creatures, I'm sorry. Yeah. Lovely Bones, Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures is amazing. Yes. But Lovely Bones, not quite a good movie, but it does have an amazing Stanley Tucci performance. Stanley Tucci is fantastic in it. And um, and who plays Dad? Oh, it's, it's it Mark Wahlberg? I think it was Mark Wahlberg, Mark, and he my, was also great. One of my favorites, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And is it, um, it's Mark Wahlberg, Rachel Wise is the mother. Oh, Rachel Wise, yeah. And, yeah, Saoirse Sa- Sa- Ronan, whatever her name is. Seriously, get a name you can pronounce. Saoirse. Yeah, whatever. And, of course, the impeccable Stanley Tucci. Yeah, Stanley Tucci is just perfect. Um, we should just have a Stanley Tucci episode where we sing praises of Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci, Stanley Tucci, I love you, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> okay, well, but not the movie Lovely Bones. But not so much. He's great in it. If by great you mean creepy as all fuck. Mm-hmm. And I mean she's she gets killed at the beginning. This is not a spoiler. Um, yeah, because it happens very soon. Within. She gets killed at the beginning, and it's all about her life as a ghost. And her family moving on without her. And the lovely bones of the title, in the book, it's a nice thing that sort of at the end is the the way you build your life around the lovely bones of someone who has been taken away from you. Mm-hmm. That they are they are never gone. They're they're sort of exos they're sort of their skeleton remains affecting the way your life lays itself over your yeah. loss. It's an it's a nice uh, visual for it. I wasn't a huge fan of the book, and the movie's a pretty decent adaptation of the book, so right there. Yeah. And well, it, it, well, as I said, it's a very interesting concept to try and portray in a movie. It's a very different thing than, than I've seen attempted before. Yeah. Okay, so we're down to just... Well, we've got Ghost Rider. <laughs> we got just three movies here. So I feel like we'll do sort of in that direction. Yeah, so I, I feel like we need to hit upon Ghost Rider because it he's is... He's a ghost! He's a ghost! He's a ghost, people! God damn it. He's a jazz hands, big grin ghost. And it's Nicolas Cage. Oh, and, and he's he is Nicolas Cage, motherfuckers. He is... Oh, my God. The best part is seeing the footage from Ghost Rider 2 where he was just wearing the makeup. Yeah, because what Nicolas Cage would do during Ghost Rider 2 when they were making it... Now, mind you, the guys who made Crank made Ghost Rider 2. Um, Nicolas Cage, to get into character, since he was doing his own body work in the sequel, he wasn't in the first, but... You know, they basically just filmed CGI head on Nicolas Cage's body in the sequel. He, Nicolas Cage would go into his trailer, put on his own, like, skull makeup, just on his own. Because his face wasn't going to show, yeah. but he needed yeah. he needed to feel that. He apparently. needed to feel to be part of Ghost Rider. I need, you know, to, be, I need to be a skull. He needs to be a skull. Yeah. Man. Skull. And so he'd go on and put on this crazy looking Santo makeup. <laughs> Go out and do the scene. And he, when he when he's ghost ridering it up, man, he's his eyes are wider than his sockets could possibly ever be. Oh, Just yeah. look at me, <laughs> ghost rider. <laughs> yeah, he he. And there's some footage on the DVD on the making of of him in that makeup, mm-hmm. like acting, and you're just like. 
crazy pants. Your crazy yeah. pants are on fire. Wow. I want an entire cut of that movie that is completely CGI free. And it's oh, just Nicolas yes. Cage in his crazy ass Santo makeup <laughs> and practical effects. And I want it to look like a terrible Mexican 80s movie. Oh, God. And yes. In, in all of the best ways possible. And that that's that's really what I want out of Ghost Rider. If you've too. been avoiding Ghost Rider because you think it looks like absolute sh- schlock. Well, it, look, it is, but... You are correct, it is. Go watch it. It's so much fun. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, the second one more than the first. The second one more than the first. The first one is actually still kind of trying. Yeah. Or something. The second one is like, well, yeah, fuck it. first one isn't ready to embrace the Nicolas Cage effect. The second one is like... We got Nicolas Cage. We need to let him out of the cage. Yeah. Let him loose and just watch what happens. And it's glorious. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, that was it a is fun. That was a fun time. That was a fun time. Ghost Rider. Okay, so you haven't seen House, so quick pelting you with yeah. candy drive by. I can't believe I haven't seen House. It's got William Cat. I know, right? Starring the greatest American hero. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. <laughs> Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. House. House. is delightful and why house is delightful is so a man moves into a house and it's haunted by ghosts and strange things are happening and the first half of the movie is really effectively creepy really like what is going on i don't know this is actually you know it's going for scary and it's successful and halfway through it takes this army of darkness left turn <laughs> And the second half is oddly campy and funny, but still definitely in the look, it's a scary movie. But, and there, yeah. And it's got Richard Mole in it. Sweet! From Night Court. Yay! So I am a huge fan of House. I'm a huge fan of House. All right, so that leaves us with one left. Sinister. Although I, I'd say that's a boogeyman movie more than a well, I mean, the, the well, difference is that much. The difference but, is that much. Yeah. Is it a demon? I mean, is we did it a Amity- demon? Is it a boogeyman? Is it a ghost? Amityville we Horror, really we know. talked about, we, we listed true. Amityville Horror. It's possessed. It is, there is possession. There is a spirit that is mm-hmm. not letting you go. That's true. That's true. So I, I do count Sinister as fair game. I'm and, just and it is a spirit that is able to affect physical reality. Okay. That's a ghost, right? Because why are there suddenly boxes? FYI, this is the movie that teaches you when you find random shit in the house you just bought, you throw it away. (laughs) Oh, look. Look at that. I don't care. What's that? I don't got a projector. I don't need to watch that. I really love listening to Cargill talk about Sinister and the creative process of coming up with these characters because he is so right about it. Yeah. That the main character is so fundamentally unlikable you need somebody like Ethan Hawke who is so fundamentally likable in the role so that you you're still on his side even as he keeps doing stuff that is just what a dick (laughs) and turn on a fucking light yeah yeah. flick a goddamn switch (laughs) and um, Jesus but this is it's it's very 
it's very it's got that 80s quality that i love and that you've got this supporting character who's funny yeah and I always love a scary movie that knows that when you can make me laugh in the middle of it, it makes the scares that much that much worse. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you have to let the pressure valve off yeah. a little bit. You, you gotta let it. You gotta let it up. And <laughs> otherwise, you it feels like you're trying too hard. Yeah, and, and so and, and eventually the audience will just run out of steam. Other movies do that with the cheap jump scare. Yeah, I would rather you do it with a laugh. Okay, so deputy so and so is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I love how a character that starts a little ridiculous becomes integral, and yeah. and it becomes the the instrument of reveal mm-hmm. at the end, right at the moment where it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Sinister, you should seek it out. It is surprising and it is smart, and the script and the dialogue is really good and. These characters are smart. There is a moment in the movie where right at the point where you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Just leave. And they do. (laughs) Thank you. Yay. So you've got uh, some lovely recommendations for double features. Mm -hmm. Um, We did stream of consciousness. So you can string together your Mm -hmm. own sorts of thematic um, connections. And if you have recommendations for us for ghost stories that we didn't talk about. or the Oh, my goodness. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys are fantastic at sending recommendations, and we do add them to the website under recommendations. Yes, yes, yes. So please send more, send send more, share them for our community. Because we we love them. We love them. Um, And uh, also answer our questions. Yes. Because we love reading them to other people. And even if you've already answered our questions, you can answer them again. You can always answer them again. There's no rule about only once, please. We are not the. No. Yeah, I mean. After six months, there could be completely new things inside your personal pleasure dome. Of course. Because, yeah, you know, you can move furniture around and stuff. You, you know, got to redecorate. Keep it fresh. Keep you it fresh. Redecorate. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, right now we are short on listener answers. So Which is why you need to answer our questions. You need to questions. answer our questions. But we do have plenty of recommendations. So um, I will read one of the recent recommendations we got. All right, Melissa, please share. Yes. Uh, this one comes from Pam Nail. Oh, Yay! One of her butt Nemathon friends. Uh, this comes from uh, episode 31. She had uh, commented on... Uh, we were talking about the original Cape Fear. So she said, Cape Fear is a remake that I really love. Scorsese, again. What makes it great for me is that the differences between Scorsese's version and the original come straight out of everything that had happened in our culture between 1962 and 1991. That <sighs> sense of disillusionment, the breakdown of the family, the loss of innocence... The characters feel uncomfortably real and not entirely likable. It has an incredible cast, notably Robert De Niro, who scared the shit out of me. Uh. Me too. Uh, Juliette Lewis, who I couldn't stand at the time when this came out, but who has significantly grown on me. And the wonderful Ileana Douglas. Oh, yeah. And it has nice cameos from the original stars Peck, Mitchum, and Balsam that aren't too distracting. I love Gregory Peck. Yeah. I really do love the remake of Cape Fear. The original Cape Fear is amazing. The remake of Cape Fear is amazing. Great stuff. So anyway, listeners, that was our haunted, haunted, spooky ghost episode. Yay! So, ghost. I feel like we need Jerry Billich here with his theremin. So, listeners, I have been Wendy. That has been... Melissa, as I swig down my wine. (laughs) 
Ooh, I'll join you. And we have been drinking Foghead as we hide here in Melissa's basement (laughs) from the spooky, spooky October. And we hope that you are having a lovely, spooky October yourselves. And we'll talk to you next week. Yay! Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Singing in the basement.